You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. The reading this evening comes from Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and I'm gonna ask you there in your heart, in your mind, to pray to God and ask him to speak to your heart today, and I'm gonna pray in a second, so you can pray there. Lord God, we need you today, and we want to glorify your name. We want your son to be magnified. Dios Padre, que tu Espíritu Santo me sea usando el día de hoy y que pueda ser de bendición, Señor, para tu pueblo. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. My name is Jordan Rivera. I am one of two ministry residents on staff here at Christ Church. And it is my joy to be preaching our third sermon in the series of the book of Proverbs. And before we dive into chapter three, I want to set the context so that we can be reminded of the invitation that the author of Proverbs is doing to us in chapters one to nine. And as you may remember from Pastor Clint last week, wisdom is a God-given understanding of who he is and who we are and how things work. Wisdom is a God-given understanding of who God is, who we are, and how things work. That begins to be used through a reverent love and trust in God for the good of us and the good of others. So God... Give us, give, gives us wisdom so that we can understand how reality works, so that it can be good for us, good for others, and for his glory. And we can do that by our love and our trust in him. The author of Proverbs seems to believe that wisdom is kind of a transcendent law that people can embrace. And they can do this so that they can live according to the design that God has created them to live. And I say this because in chapter 8 of Proverbs, wisdom says something like this. I was there when God set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon. 
on the face of the deep. And then, then, and then the next verses, he's gonna, uh, wisdom is going to explain how God used wisdom to create everything that we see. So when we embrace wisdom, we're embracing the very foundation of the whole creation. And this is why this is very important. So every time that we walk under the understanding of God's reality in love and trust in him, it is going to be good for us, and it's going to be good for others, and it's going to be for the glory of God. That's kind of the general context from chapters 1 to 9, and now I'm going to retell an analogy that Pastor Nathan told us two weeks ago, and this is of a loving father that grabs tenderly his son's shoulder as he's walking through the boski, and he is telling him everything that he, his son needs to hear and needs to know. Maybe because this father knows that he's not gonna be around for too long. So this picture is not a picture of a son in the principal's office listening how he should be, behave. But this is a picture of a father that tenderly grabs his son's shoulder and sometimes even his son's face and his father explains to him what he needs to know. So he wants to give him all the instruction that he needs, knowing that wisdom entrusted from God to his people can lead him to experience the very life that God has intended us to live. So the aim for us today in one sentence is to recognize that trusting the Lord with all our hearts is a path of wisdom and the fullness of life that God is promising us since the beginning of creation and that we can enjoy it today. So we're going to read verses 1 and 2 again so we can be reminded of what we're learning. I don't know if you guys have it on, on the screen. And I'm going to need water. Verses 1 and 2. All right. I'm going to invite you to read it with me so that I can feel a little bit more comfortable. Do you mind? Let's all read it together. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Thank you. My grandfather was a church planter, and as his Alzheimer's disease was getting worse, I used to talk to him to see how much aware was he of his forgetfulness. So I would ask things like, Grandpa, why, how, how did you forget what you ate in, in the morning? It's been just a couple of hours. And he would say something like, well, yeah, I don't know, I'm just getting older once you are. And who, he would make up an age, he would say 45, 52, 65, 75. Every, every time it was different, he would say, it's just hard to keep track with everything and remember it all. So one day I thought to myself, maybe if he could remember that he forgets, this could be good for him, and maybe for a second, he could be very intentional in not forgetting that he forgets. Well, it could be good anyways. You understand what I'm saying? So, um, one day as we were having a conversation, once, once again, he forgot something as usual, and then I asked him, Grandpa, do you remember Papa Leonardo? Papa Leonardo is his father-in-law, and actually I knew he would remember him because he could remember people from the past. So he said yes, and the reason why I asked about Papa Leonardo is because he had Alzheimer's also. And I asked him, do you remember what he had? He had a, an illness, and he said, yes, yes, he, he, he used to forget things very often. And I said, yes, that's called Alzheimer's. And he said, yes, Alzheimer's. 
So I said, don't you think that maybe you also have Alzheimer's and maybe this is why you tend to forget things very often? We're gonna come back to my grandfather in, at the end. I'm not gonna forget about him. And if I do, now you know I have Alzheimer's. <laughs> in this passage today, we should not assume that the son has something like Alzheimer's. Although we may seem like, like in chapter two, we heard something like, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, and then next chapter we're gonna hear something like, do not forsake my teachings, and then this chapter we're gonna hear, do not forget my teachings, keep my commandments, and we're gonna hear other similar uh, exhortations. This is not Alzheimer's, the son does not have Alzheimer's. The reason why the son seems to be forgetting these things is because, not, not because he cannot remember, but because he's not valuing enough the importance of these exhortations. And you know this as a parent, you know that you have to repeat over and over to your children things that you don't want to repeat to them, but it seems that your lovely children, seem, they, it seems like they want to forget the important stuff that you have to tell them. So, it is not the best uh, investment of your energy, but you have to repeat them over and over. So let's be careful today. Let's pay attention to the Father. He's inviting us to trust in the Lord as he's inviting us to not forget his teachings and his words. The Father knows that this is important, and we can see this in verse 2. It says, For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now, I want us to get this right. In the one hand, it is saying something like, if you want to live longer, son, look both ways before crossing the road. Or, or it is saying, in a way, something like, don't text and drive, stay alive, or some other catchy wise sayings that people have to tell us so that we can live a little bit longer or, or at least to not die because of our irresponsibility. But in the other hand, something more important is happening here. I think the author is echoing a very important theme through scriptures, that it is more transcendent than just that. It has to do with experiencing the abundant life that God has to offer us when we live under his wisdom. This is not only adding a few more years to your life, but this is, become, it, it, but this is coming in to keep the covenant that God has offered to humanity, humanity since the beginning. And I'm going to take a break here. Can I have a sip of water? Do you remember the invitation of God to Adam? Do you remember the invitation of God to Eve to live in abundance and also in obedience, to trust God with all their hearts, to keep his words? And actually, the name Adam means humanity, the name Eve means life. He's inviting humanity and life to trust in him. So they will have longevity of life. Kind of the same offering God made to the people of Israel. God offered them to keep their, his words, the words that he had given to, him, to them, so that they could inherit the land of the rest and they could experience long shalom, long peace. Not only quantity of life, but also quality of life. This is the life that it seems the father is offering to his son, 
today. And it seems like today we can have the, this life. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. This is the life that God is offering us today. And this is not prosperity gospel. The only thing that for sure is expected to, to prosper is our trust in Him. And I think we can know God is inviting us to be part of this covenant, to be part of this life, for us to enjoy this type of life because of the next verses also. So we're going to read three and four all together again. So we have three and four. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good. The word love in verse 3 is a Hebrew word that is used to describe an act of promise-keeping loyalty. This love is a promise-keeping loyalty that God is showing and actually, the, word, the words love and faithfulness, every time that they appear together, they appear to describe the character of God in front of his unfaithful people. Actually, in Exodus 34, 6, and Numbers 14, 18, they say the same. People of Israel are failing God, but they are understanding who God is. They are, they are understanding their reality, and they say this, the Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in steadfast love and faithfulness. Abundant in steadfast love and faithfulness. Those two words together. When they are remembering, remembering who God is and the covenant that he has made to them. And the, exhort, and the exhortation that we have to bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart, are also echoes used constantly in the context of God's covenant. Think about Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your, all your might. And these words that I commend you today shall be written on your heart. You shall bind them a sign on your hand, and they shall be as strongness between your eyes. I hope you can see this. All these words that appear in this context, in these verses, are echoing the very covenant that God has made. So the, prom the promise of longevity of life is more than if you're smart, you're going to live a few years longer than the rest. But instead, as I said, this is an invitation that through keeping, keeping to heart the words of God and by binding them in, around our necks if necessary, we can live the fullness of life that, uh, and we can test that today because God is promising us. Brothers and sisters, these verses are inviting us to complete the very story that has not been fulfilled yet for humanity. Remember Adam and Eve? God promising uh, longevity and, and, and fullness of life. Remember the people of Israel? The sons of God, they did not listen to the Father. They did not keep the words of God. Remember God said, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's going to lead you to death. Remember the people of Israel, God saying, do not worship other gods. They're going to lead you to destruction. Well, the sons of God didn't listen to God. They didn't keep his words. They forgot the words of, the, of, of his father. And today, the father 
in the book of Proverbs is inviting his son to embrace what Adam and Eve had rejected and what Israel had rejected. The Father is inviting us today also so that we can enjoy the very life that God is offering us when we keep his words and his commandments. If you can tell how important this is, then we can know why the Father has to repeat this many, many times. I mean, I would too. Listen, son, listen to my words. Keep, keep the covenant, keep the commandments. Don't forget my teaching. This, this, is, this is more than adding a few more years to your life. This is more than just having a good job. This is being invited to keep God's covenant to have the fullness of life. This is more than just a few years here on earth. This is the rest of your life. And this is why the Father has to repeat it over and over. In other words, what the Father is saying is trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. As I was preparing for today, I came across an author's experience as he was learning English, that it is true of me, true of my experience as I was learning English. And uh, when I was learning the, the alphabet, I, I used to love to sing the ABC song. And, and would, when I would get to the L-M-N-O-P part, I would say something like L-M-N-O-P, and I thought I knew what I was saying. I, for me, it was a word. L-M-N-O-P was a word. I don't know what word it was. I thought I was bilingual by then, and it sounded cool. But afterwards, I understood, oh, it's L-M-N-O-P. And it took me years when I figured it out. The, the author of this book, Dr. Dominic Hernandez, he's suggesting that sometimes we do the same when, with these verses. We do the same with the verse, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I mean, how many of us know that verse by memory? Can you raise your hand? Do you know it by memory? Okay, this is a good 30, 40%. I mean, if you think about it, what other verse other than John 3.16 we may know it. <laughs> like We know this verse, and we think we may know it by heart. And we may know it by heart, but it is different to have this verse on our hearts. We know that we should trust the Lord with all our hearts. We, sh- we know that we should not lean to our, our own understanding. We know that in all our ways we, su- we should submit to Him. Yet it seems that we also tend to forget We have to remember that the default mode that we wake up to is not to trust the Lord with all our hearts. And we know that when we wake up, the first thing that comes to our heads is not God, it's not the Bible. This is why we have to be reminded. This is why the Father in verse two, he says, don't forget my teachings, keep in in your heart my commandments. In verse three, he says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of of your heart. Verse five, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Verse six, in all your ways acknowledge him. All of these are synonyms. 
All these, uh, all these invitations are synonyms. All these exhortations are synonyms. They aren't for us to look for them individually. Like, we cannot do that. This is not as a collection of Boy Scouts badges. I mean, we cannot say, I got the don't forget my teaching one. I'm just missing in all your ways, acknowledge him. Like, this, this is not what happens. Someone cannot say, I just, I'm just missing the bind them around your neck. I'm not good at the, doing the knot yet. All these expectations come together into one. And this is number, in verse, verse five. This is the exhortation. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And I want to stop here so that we can be reminded that these exhortations that the Father is giving to the Son is only exhortations for the sons of God. This exhortation is not for everyone. Only those who can call Jesus their brother, only those who can call Jesus their life and their righteousness, only those who are invited to keep this covenant, to come and, and taste the fullness of life that God is offering. I'm sorry, friend, if you are not a Christian, if you are not abiding in Christ, no, no longevity of life, no quality of life, no fullness of life for you, no favor in front of God and in front of people, no, no steadfast love and faithfulness from God to you. All your paths are not going to be straight. They are only going to lead you to death. But if you come to repentance today, if you trust in Jesus, the invitation to taste the fullness of life is for you today. As John 1.12 says, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. If you embrace Jesus, if you receive him, if you trust in him, you can become a children of God today. If you have more questions about it, we would love to talk about this after the service. And I want to remind also to all of those who are sons of God that are here today that this invitation to taste the fullness of life that God is offering us today is not for us to have the, be the best version of our lives today. This is not for us to reach the full capacity in our strength. Actually, quite the opposite. The calling is not for us to trust in us. The invitation is not to have our hope in us. The invitation is to put our trust and our hope in God. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Sometimes we can get them mixed up, and this is why, again, I think the father has to repeat over and over to his son what is very, very important. Now, for the following verses, seven and eight, it seems like the father is giving some examples on how trust in the Lord looks like. So let's, let's have them. Let's read them together, together once again. Ready? Uh, seven and eight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh. Do not be wise in your own eyes and fear the Lord. We have those two sentences there. They are very clear contrasts. Being wise in our own eyes is not to fear the Lord. And to fear the Lord is to be wise in God's eyes. I want you to think for a second about Adam and Eve once again. If you remember in chapter one of Genesis, we have this phrase, and God saw that it was good, 
right? We have that in God saw that it was good. 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 I think those are seven times God saw that it was very, very good. But when we get to chapter three, we hear this phrase. It says, and Eve saw that the, tr- that, that the fruit of the tree was good. Every time since the beginning of creation, every time the human beings think things are good in their eyes, when God has explicitly said, no, it's not, we always get it wrong. And this is why we need another reminder. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And we've been there. You've been there. I know I I know we all have been in those situations when we know things are not right. We know that they are not right, but it just seems right. It just feels right for a second. Think about all these occasions that you're part of a group and they're having conversations you know are not wise. They're making jokes, you know they are not wise, but you don't want to offend them by leaving or saying something and you know it's not right for you to be there, but it doesn't seem, in your eyes, seem okay to be there because you don't want to be rude. Christians are not rude, and that's why you want to stay there. Or think about all these occasions when your lovely children are not behaving, and you know it's not wise to say the things you want to say, or at least not in the tone that you want to say. It is not wise for them to see you reacting like this. But it just seems right. They kind of deserve it. They've not been behaving. Think of all these occasions when, when you're alone and you know you should not watch that garbage. And definitely that is not going to teach you wisdom. And I am not only talking about pornography here. We all know that the majority of what Netflix and Disney Plus offers is not necessarily wisdom. And this is why we spend two hours not necessarily watching but looking for something to watch till we give up and sometimes we watch something that it is not wise. There are things that we know is not wise or there are things that we know that is not good, yet it seems for a minute that things are good. We need to trust the Lord in his wisdom. Every day we're encountering in front of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Every day we're encountering, in, we're in situations where we have to decide if we, if we want to trust the Lord with all our hearts or if we want to trust our sight. God has said, no, we should run away from evil. We should not eat in the convenience of our eyes. We should not be looking for the things that are pleasing to our eyes, but rather the things that are pleasing to God. We should love and trust God. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. It will, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. We all know how peaceful it is for our bodies and for our shoulders and for our necks when we are trusting the Lord and when we are abiding in wisdom. We know how hard it is to try to sleep when we are not living wisely. It is hard to find satisfaction. It's hard to find rest 
you know your back hurts every time you're freaking out about something because you're not trusting God. And sometimes we feel that a chiropractor would be better than trusting God. This verse, very, verse is very good. It will, it'll be, it will be healing to our flesh and, and refreshment to our bones when we're not wise in our own eyes, when we, when we fear the Lord and we turn away from evil. Can you see again? All of these are synonyms that the father is bringing to his son. Let's all come to live under the wisdom of God. Then even when we don't understand what God has, uh, asked, is, has asked us, just because we know who he is and how good he is, we can trust in him. Then we have verses 9 and 10, and this seems to be another example on how trusting the Lord looks like. Honor the Lord with, with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your, your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your baths will be burst with wine. I have a different version. <laughs> Maybe a harder one than that one. <laughs> we get another good example on how trust in the Lord looks like. This is recognizing God in all our ways. This is another example of trusting and recognizing God in all our ways. And yes, even with our wallets, we should trust the Lord. This invitation is another way to try the fullness of life that God is offering. Remember, the father is inviting his son to try, to, his son to try and test the fullness of life that God is offering and that God has offered since the beginning, since, since Adam and Eve and, and the people of Israel. And now the father is reminding him, his son he needs to keep the covenants. And actually, that's a word that he used in verses 1. Keep my commandments means, mean, uh, means to keep the Torah, to keep the law of God. The father is inviting his son to see the reality of God's creation. And God knows how things work. He has created everything through wisdom. And this is why the father is inviting his son to trust in the Lord and to follow wisdom. And once again, this is the invitation that the father is doing to trust the Lord, that the Lord is wise, that the Lord is good. And how is he gonna, how is he gonna do it? Well, by honoring the Lord, with his wealth also. This invitation is to try the fullness of life in trusting and living in complete surrender, surrenderness and trust to the good Father that is all-powerful and is all-knowing. The invitation is to manage wisely the wealth and the prosperity that God has given, has entrusted to, to us. This does not only mean to produce more, but this also means to give more. As I am learning, the question is not how much should I give to the Lord, but the question is how much God wants me to keep. It's all His, and He's very generous, and I should mimic Him in, into generosity. The question is how much does He want me to keep? Just picture this, God is sovereign over all, He's the maker of all things. He is the owner of gold and silver. He has entrusted some of us, some of his possession to some of us, 
to wisely administrate it. All that he does is for his glory and the satisfaction of his sons and daughters to him. So if we live in wisdom, if we live in trust in him with our wallets, this is going to be good for us. We're, we're living in wisdom in, in the very design that God has created us to live under. There's so much peace when we, we can be like him, when we can be generous. There's so much peace when we can trust in him. It's so much better when, when we can trust that it is better to give than to receive. God has created everything. He has ordered everything. We can come to him and we can trust him. We can trust in his wisdom. Why not honoring the Lord with all our wealth? There's not even one reason why should, we, we should not honor the Lord with our wealth. And there are so many reasons why we should do it. This invitation again from the Father to the Son. And then we, then we have verses 11 and 12. Let's all read them together once again. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary. Son, it almost seems like the father knows that his son is going to need discipline. And he has to write it down. And he has, the father has to remind his son that when discipline comes, he has to receive it well. I mean, we've been thinking and talking about this. We've been talking about Adam and Eve. We've been talking about the people of Israel. And they didn't do a good job, so odds are we may need discipline also. We may not do a good job. And you know this as a parent. You know some kids need more discipline than others. And maybe the, the father knows his son and he knows God is going to give him discipline. And this is why the father wants him to embrace discipline and to understand it right. Discipline is an act of love. The son should receive the discipline because this is not only a reprimand of, for the son because he didn't obey. But as a commentator says, when we bring discipline to the life of a child, this is a complete teaching. Why? Because this is going to help him to accomplish the, commands, the commandments that he didn't obey. It is, it is through discipline, it's through the love of the father that the son will be more likely to obey. And this is why we should be thankful for discipline also. Because through discipline, the Father, the loving Father is helping us to obey. We have to remember these two distinctions that helped me, helped me as I was thinking about discipline. Discipline is not punishment. Discipline is not punishment. God disciplines those who he loves and he punishes those who, who he's angry at. We can embrace discipline because, because Jesus himself has taken all the punishment of sin. We can embrace the loving discipline of God because this is not a punishment. All the punishment Jesus has taken. Discipline is love. Punishment is justice. Discipline is not punishment. Let's embrace discipline. Jesus, the faithful son who has listened, his father, and who has kept his commandments, who has trusted the Lord with all his heart, 
who has not been wise in his own eyes, he is the one that has taken the wrath of God so that today we can receive the love of God. The one obedient has received the punishment because of the disobedience so that the disobedience may receive the love of God through discipline. I hope you can see that this is all about Jesus. When we go back and we read chapter 3 of Proverbs, and we read it through the lens of Jesus, we understand that the perfect son is Jesus, and he has accomplished everything. And because he has done it, at the end we can have this hope that he does not only took our sin, but he's also given us his life. And this is, this is what the, the author of Proverbs is, is telling us. Through wisdom, we can embrace the very life that God has intended us to live. And who has lived that? Jesus. So when we trust the Lord our God with all our hearts, we can embrace and we can have the very life of Jesus. We're going to have quality of life because we're having the life of Jesus. Now, I haven't forgotten about grandpa yet, <laughs> in case you were wondering. Remember that I asked him, don't you think that maybe, that maybe you have Alzheimer's also? And, and this is why you, you tend to forget things? So he listened, he breathed, and then he changed the subject. I think he forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> if he could only remember that he forgets. If he could only remember that he forgets. And the same is true for us. If we could only remember that we forget. If we could only remember that we know, trust the Lord with all our hearts, and, and we can say it by heart. But we at the same time forget. Like, we know, but we don't know. What are we going to do? Are we going to listen and then forget? Maybe this is, this is what happens. We forget of the reality in which we're living now. We forget of the reality that God has given to us through his word so we can live in trusting in him. If we could only remember that we forget, well, I think we can. The Bible says we can. Jeremiah 31, verses 33 and 34 they say this, for this is the covenant that I will make, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. You see, the very words, the Proverbs 3 is saying for the son to do. Now, Jeremiah 31 says, God is going to do it for us. He's going to put the law within us. He's going to write the law in our hearts. And I will be their God, and, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And because he has forgave our iniquities, and because he, has, he, he doesn't want to remember our sins no more, Today, we can remember his new covenant because he's put in these words, his covenant, his words in our hearts, in our minds, so that we can think about them, so that we can love them also. Because of Jesus, because he has done it and he has given us his life, we can obey this. We can trust the Lord with all our hearts. 
So let's be encouraged that the invitation of the Father to test, to try the very life of Jesus, let's be encouraged that the Father wanted his Son to come into the covenant, that that very desire is open for us today when we embrace the life of Jesus. We can do this because of the blood of the new covenant that has offered has been offered for us. And this is what we're going we're, we're gonna to do in a second. We're going to drink of the cup and we're going to eat from the bread. And this is the blood. This is the sign of the new covenant. And let us be, this is why we have to do it every week so that we can be reminded that this is a reality that we're living now as Christians. This is the new covenant that we can love him. That because of what Jesus has done in our place, today we can have a different life. So afterwards, when we're doing this, let's be reminded of the new covenant. That has, the, the law is now written in our hearts. It's, it's in, in ourselves so that we can be reminded of this. And as one commentator puts it, you probably have a to-do list for this coming week. We are, here are the priorities that God wants you to have at the top in terms of urgency. Number one, fear the Lord, and we can do this. Number two, turn away from evil. We can do this for the life of Jesus. And number three, as time permits, breathe. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil, as time permits, breathe. That is the urgency of our lives this week. This will add greatness to our lives, and this will save us for a wa from a waste of life. Let's all participate. Let's all come. Let's all embrace the words and the invitation of the Father to the Son to have the, the, the very life, the fullness of life that today in Jesus is offered for us. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www dot Christchurchabq dot com